Hey, baby, Stevie Van Zandt here. You are listening to Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All, the weekly or whenever we want to put it up show uh, about the Beatles and Beatles related. I am your moderator, Mitch Axelrod, for this special show. And joining me, as they always do, unfortunately, are... Rob Leonard and Tony Chiguardo. And you may see that we have a fourth person here, um, just some stranger who decided to get on our Zoom, but we'll let him in anyway. Um, you know him from the E Street Band. You know him from The Sopranos. You know him as a solo artist he, and soon uh, an author, a book coming out in September, I believe, uh, and a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. We are so honored to have with us tonight uh, Stephen Van Zant, everybody, welcome to Ooh. Fab Four Free for All. Stephen, boys, how are you? Good man, hanging in there. Doing all right. You forgot that he's a radio host, also. Yeah, well, I mean, I could have went on for a half hour about all the stuff he does, but I, you know, we only have a certain amount of time here, and we do have to plug an incredible new record and CD, a DVD that he has called Mecca to Mecca, and we'll get into that. Uh, in a little bit, but we wanted to, you know, I heard you on Ken Dashow's show. We love Ken. And I heard the Magical Mystery Tour and I said, we have to have him on the show. That was just, you know, really great. So I have to ask you, you've played for hundreds of thousands of people in stadiums all over the world. And you end up in a little dump basement in Liverpool playing for about 100 people. How does a guy from New Jersey end up at the cavern? Well, I think they squeezed about 250 in that day. It was pretty packed. Uh, uh, that's a long story. How did I get from here to there? Um, been a wonderful trip now that you mention it, you know? Uh, yeah. I, um, that, that particular thing started with the English tour. Um, I probably had the most productive three years of my life, 2017, 18, and 19. Uh, which is why I have not minded being home this uh, this year, you know, um, <laughs> really, really running around. And we had a very productive three years and put out six album packages, uh, which was, you know, really quite, quite productive for me. I'm very happy about that. And a seventh coming in June. Wow. Summer of sorcery. Yeah. Um, so it started it started really uh, flying into the, to the beginning of the English tour. Um, that leg of the tour. Uh, I come in late because I was filming, uh, I was fulfilling one of my uh, great dreams of my life the night before, uh, filming with Martin Scorsese, doing a little cameo in The Irishman. And um, so I get to the soundcheck late, only about five minutes left in the soundcheck. And the Roundhouse Club is one of the best, most prestigious clubs in, in, in England. And it happened to be a, a very big crowd that night and it might have been raining and they wanted to let the crowd in. But um, five minutes before the sound check ended, uh, I get a phone call. Paul McCartney might be coming to the show. You know? <laughs> wow. Right. I mean, uh, you know, so um, I said, man, we better prepare something quick just in case. And um, uh, I, I threw together a quick little Richard arrangement of I saw her standing there, you know, an early Beatles song. 
And, and uh, I knew Paul was a fan of Little Richard because without Paul McCartney and the Beatles, I never would have heard of Little Richard, you know? Right. Uh, you know, he turned me on to our entire first decade and a half of, of music in America. Uh, so so um, sure enough, he shows up. And I said, wow, man, listen, it's such an honor for you to be here. I know you're, you're, you're working all the time these days. You never go out, never socialize anymore. You're here with your great wife, Nancy. I please sit with my wife, Maureen. Enjoy the show. Don't even feel, don't feel any obligation to come on stage, you know. <laughs> and I thought that was that, you know, and I'm, I'm taking the encore and my roadie runs up and says, Paul's coming on. <laughs> uh, like, wow. You know, he comes out with a, with a guitar, never having heard what we're going to do, you know, no rehearsal, no nothing. And uh, bam, you know, we, we, we did that. We, we, we got into, I started standing there. And it was just uh, wonderful. It was, you know, one of the great thrills of my life. I had, uh, he, he had come on stage with us at, at Hyde Park with, with the E Street Band, yeah. which was thrilling. And of course, tonight they pulled the plug on us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then um, he invited me and Bruce on stage with him at Madison Square Garden, which was thrilling. But coming on my stage, endorsing my music and my band was just uh, the most unbelievable experience of my life. That's uh, anyway, so it put me in an extra Beatle mood than usual. And, um, and we're, we're going through England and, and, um, and here comes Liverpool, which always puts you in a Beatle mood anyway. Uh, about, about five days before Liverpool show, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I remember the Beatles when they first started did this crazy thing that can only happen in England. Uh, they would do these lunchtime sets. <laughs> the local secretaries and clerks and, you know, shopkeepers, whatever, would, would bring their lunch to the cavern. Then the Beatles would play for half an hour, you know? Uh, uh, time too, right? <laughs> a crazy thing to do, right? Uh, so I, I, we said, I said, call up the cavern and tell them I want to do a lunchtime set, you know? Uh, we're playing Saturday night, and, and well, Saturday afternoon we'll do a lunchtime set. We're, you know, so they said like, "Oh, well, okay, we haven't done that for forty or fifty years, but let's <laughs> give it a shot." And uh, you know, and so we, we get there, and um, now, now they have two rooms now at the cavern. You know, they, they have the one, they they, they had to rebuild it, and they rebuilt it pretty much where it was, supposedly with the same bricks. I mean, the first time I got to the cavern, you know, uh, it was a parking lot. <laughs> Oh, another Black. story. Anyway, yeah, they, they, but they rebuilt it on, in the same location, uh, supposedly exactly the same, you know, um, that narrow, you know, that narrow uh, room that we all have all seen in the one Beatle film. Yeah, right behind uh, me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Then doing some other guy. Uh, so that's, that's still there, but then they built a, a bigger room, you know, where most bands play, and that's where Paul McCartney played when he you know, did it. And, of course, they assumed that's where I would play because I had a 15-piece band. <laughs> and I, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, nah. I got to have the arches. <laughs> I got I to have the arches. You know? Of course, iconic. <laughs> you know, so we barely fit the rhythm section on, on that stage, and, and, and it was like a partition, and we put the horns and girls in the hallway, yeah. Uh, we couldn't see them, you know, so I'm not sure how we, how we ended the songs. That's why you're to yelling show. to them. Are you all right? Is that what's what is that way on the album? You're yelling to them. Are you all right? Can I can't see that's, that's hysterical. You literally can't see them at all. Right. Uh, you, you can, you can see it in a DVD kind of, um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, decided to, um, do half, half the set of, of Beatles songs with horns. 
since we had the horns. And most people, you know, you don't hear those songs very often. You don't hear all you need is love live, you know, or, or, or you know, Beatles never did them. Right. No, right. no. Got to get you into my life. You know, good yeah. Morning, and, good morning. And, you know, half, half, half horn songs and half songs that they would have covered at, at the cavern, you know, like Larry Williams and, and uh, Arthur Alexander. So um, that was it, man. Just, just, you know, a fun idea, spontaneous idea. I hadn't played any Beatles songs since my high school band. I mean, you know, yeah. my life has taken more of a turn, you know, towards yeah. whole, whole music and whatever, but you know, you just don't play Beatles songs. I mean, well, you know, why would you? Right. And so, so it's just so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> So we'll, we'll go back to the cavern a little bit because we want to talk about the album and the set list. It's, it's amazing in the documentary because, uh, you know, it really should be seen and heard. Definitely. Uh, but let's go back a little bit uh, to, you know, Jersey when you're 14 years old. Rob, I know you had a question. Stephen, what happened on February 10th, 1964? <laughs> every, every American had a band in their garage. <laughs> <laughs> Every single American kid had a band in the garage, as opposed to 48 hours earlier when there was no bands in America. Yeah, all Bobby Rydell people. Uh, I know this is hard to imagine, but I'm telling you the truth. You, you went to your high school dance. It was an instrumental band. You know, the, the, you know, maybe the sax player would sing one song, maybe, you know. Yeah. You know, some, some ballad, you know, uh, you know, but but um, there were no bands, you know, and, uh, you know, and suddenly this this the band thing. Was, and, and that was was so appealing to me. You know, and I guess I guess, you know, uh, 100 million others, you know, the, the 72 million others that saw it on Ed Sullivan. <laughs> um, it was something different. It's just a different, a completely different communication rather than the typical single person, which is it's all about me, you know, yeah. uh, or the doo-wop groups, you know, or the instrumental groups, you know, uh, this was just guys playing and singing. And it was, it was the, it was friendship. It was, it was communicating, you know, uh, the family and, and, and the team and the posse, the gang, you know, uh, and ultimately communicated community. And that's what, immediately struck me, you know, um, but I must say, and I, I always have to add this because they were so sophisticated at that point. Yeah. Um, now keep in mind, we discovered the Beatles halfway through the career. They had started in 57 and were gone by 69 and by, by 64, they were really good. I mean, uh, the harmony was perfect. Uh, you know, the hair was perfect. The clothes, you know, unlike anything we've ever we'd ever seen, and just they were they were just perfect in every way. So they kind of revealed this new world, which was extremely exciting to freaks and misfits like me, who finally, you know, maybe found something that we could relate to, you know, in 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 the world. Um, but luckily, you know, but but it was, it was a little too perfect to say, okay, you know, I want I want to I want to do that. I think I can do that. You know, it was just it was just a little too alien and too sophisticated. And luckily for us, four months later, the Rolling Stones come. Yeah. And, and you know, and they're kind of wearing what they feel like. It looks very casual. The hair is not perfect, except for Brian Jones. There's no <laughs> harmony at all. Uh, you know, 
they're like the first punk band, really. And they make it look easier than it is, you know. Uh, so, you know, as I like to put it, the, the Beatles showed us a, a whole new world and the Rolling Stones invited us in. You know? It's, it's uh, kind of cool to hear you say it that way, too, Stephen, because, you know, you obviously you were into music before you saw the Beatles. But and, and you've even worked with some of the people from that period before, you know, you were with the, the you know, with Dion and, and uh, Little Kings and, you know, in that kind of situation. So you were already in music. You know, you hear a lot of guys talk about like almost that the Beatles woke them up to music. But you already had a foot firmly in rock and roll by that point, pretty much. It's just that newness, like you said, of how they put it across. That's like really that's kind of cool to hear. Well, I, I was only a kid buying singles at that point. I, I mean, you know, um, I was what? I was 13 when they came. Um, so, you know, I, I started buying singles maybe a year or two before. Uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, Four Seasons, uh, Sherry, and, right. Um, right. you know, probably the first three, you know, probably the first three singles, the first two, Big Girls Don't Cry, you know, Duke, you know, Duke of Earl. Did you feel yeah, like you know. charted on Beatles versus the Four Seasons? Did you have the... Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, because because one of the singles was on VJ. With the, yeah. The four <laughs> you know, our, our, our geniuses rejected their first four singles. Uh, yeah. Where are those guys now? Well, they're probably dead now, but I mean, right. they could have been very rich and dead. <laughs> right. But it's very understandable they did. And actually, if they had brought them in earlier, you know, maybe the kickoff doesn't happen the way we you know and love. You never know. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to figure. But uh, yeah. did you really get kicked out of high school for having long hair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I what's wrong? I, I think I got kicked out. Of, I think I got kicked out of school, and then got kicked out of the house, or, or it might have been the other way around. I'm not sure, but it happened pretty much simultaneously. Yes. So was, you were you were listening to the Beatles, and you said that the Stones came, but you were also listening to other British bands too, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. No, the British Invasion was everything. I mean, you know, one after the other. Beatles, Dave Clark Five. Uh, uh, at that time, Herman's Hermits, who should be taken more seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, and of course, you know, the Kinks, the Animals, the Yardbirds, the Who, you know, Stones and Hollies, you know, one after the other. Uh, and it was an occasional uh, du duo like a Chad and Jeremy, Peter and Gordon, or an occasional Dusty Springfield. or oh, She was amazing. Tula yeah. Clark, yeah. Um, but, but it was nothing but, you know, mostly British. Only a couple of American bands survived it, which was the Beach Boys and, and the Four Seasons. Yeah. And, of course, soul music. Soul music, you know, flourished right alongside. And, yeah. um, and what people forget is, you know, we had seven or eight or nine rock and roll TV shows on, which was unbelievable, yeah. uh, for a year and a half, two years. And you'd, and, you, and you'd have, you know, the Kinks would come on and Smokey Robinson would come on, you know. Um, uh, the Stones would come on and uh, Curtis Mayfield, you know, uh, you know, uh, rock, soul, rock, soul, rock, soul. O almost all the shows did that uh, just naturally, you know, organically. So so I grew up very much with that rock and soul thing happening simultaneously, which ended up being Southside Johnny and the Adbury Jukes. You know, it was, right. you know right. basically a guitar rock band with with soul horns, you know. 
so I kind of, kind of, you know, got integrated in, in my head and, and kind of stayed that way. And Shindig was doing all kinds of great arrangements live on TV too. They were they were mixing and matching. Jack Good was throwing everybody in the mix there with that. Yeah, yeah, and the you know, the great Shindog's house band and the great yeah. Blossoms with with Dark in Love, you know, yeah. oh. uh, great, great, great stuff everywhere you looked. I mean, we were just so lucky, man. We were the luckiest generation uh, to grow up with that that Renaissance period going on. You know, now Stephen, you you pulled for the live album for the new album for Mac and Mecca. You pulled soldier of love out of the bbc you know from the beatles bbc archive and i don't don't know why you know that's just the one song they never they didn't record in the studio and it's just such a natural perfect beatles song you know yeah Um, and it was completely obscure you know nobody ever heard of arthur alexander uh Mm. uh, you know and he's one of the five artists that was covered by both the beatles and stones stones yeah um Yeah, but the BBC uh, version is terrific. So uh, I mean, not not a lot got lost. I mean, it's really it's yeah. a great version. You know? Yeah. And you you yeah. know the Stones and you mentioned the Stones and the Beatles together. I mean, they really were pushing a lot of the Motown artists and a lot of artists that you know. Be, uh, I hate to say it, but you know, little white kids like me, we're not we're not really listening to until we heard it on oh. Beatle records. And then you you know you threw some of like you just mentioned, you threw some of those songs in the set list, and and you know maybe. You know, maybe that'll carry on when, you know, by now people have heard of Larry Williams and Arthur Alexander. But did you you hadn't heard of any of them when you were a kid um, until obviously, you know, some of the right, groups. Had the played them. Yeah. 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 And uh, they're all the, the entire British invasion was was doing that, you know. Yeah. Every single every single band, even after they started writing themselves. I mean, people forget this, but the Beatles were doing covers to their fifth album. Yeah. Right. Right. Through, right. Through help. I mean, long after they were recognized as two of the greatest songwriters in the world, you know, they're still doing covers yeah. because they just, they just loved it. You know, they love that stuff. And uh, and that's that kept their, you know, I think for them, it just kept their identity strengthened, you know, and they did. And they both both the Beatles and Stones just just were so great at it. You know, just this great, great, you know, cover cover artist. You know, you mentioned that about people covering the Beatles, Stephen, and how a lot of people don't do it. But it's interesting that, you know, when you're out with, with the E Street Band, when you're with your band, you, you'll you do the searchers. You'll do, you know, every time you walk into the room, needles and, you know, et cetera, all this stuff. Is it, is there a reason why you, you kind of, you, you know, the Beatles are not, you'll do Twist and Shout, but not a lot of Lennon McCartney originals. Is there a reason why kind of like, you tend to go either earlier or around, but you guys oh. never really cover Beatles um, until now, which is, you know. Well, so, I mean, to tell you the truth, they're, they're too tough. <laughs> they're, 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 not, they're not easy, man. You know, um, uh, they're, they're quite, they're, they, you know, I, I think it's from, from them, you know, when they're in Hamburg, they're doing six sets a night, seven nights a week. It's yeah. really hard, hard to believe for months at a time. I mean, let me tell you something. That is work, man. And yeah. I just think, and they did this, um, you know, 57, 58, 59, 60, you know, three, four years. Okay. Wow. Uh, you know, before they even got in a studio. And they kept doing it, by the way, through 62. So, you know, I think by the time they started writing, they had absorbed that stuff to such a degree in their DNA because, you know, 
other than the E Street Band, they're the second longest, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, gestation before 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 happening, you know, before recording, before getting big in the industry. The right. Beatles are really, I think, the second longest gestation after us. You know, uh, it took <laughs> we we. Uh, it took us like seven years, I think, to get in the recording studio. It took them almost four or five, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a long time. The Stones were only two or three years. You know, you know a lot, a lot, most bands are only, are only a couple of years and they, and they, and they Good point. get it together. Uh, but the Beatles, so I, I think by the time they started writing, just, I mean, out of boredom, you know, they just started innovating and, and the, the changes, the chord changes on their bridges and, uh, yeah. You know, modulations they're doing, incredible stuff, I'm telling you. All the way, you know, pretty much from day one, you know, pretty much. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, it's not so easy just to, you know, hey, let's do that song and start playing it, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and, that, and, and that's the reason, I'm telling you right now, they're just, they're just more, more sophisticated than the, than the rootsier, yeah. you know, pop stuff of the 50s and 60s, which we can, we can do from memory. Right, you know, literally. Right. Mother's uh, may have to rehearse a bridge. You know, so occasionally you'll see us rehearsing a bridge or something, you know, in, in the middle of a stadium, you know. But um, but 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 mostly, you know, you can kind of you can kind of just you know remember it, you know. So, you mentioned uh, all the court changes and all that good stuff. Did you follow them through their progression? You know, all their, every album seemed like they grew. Did you get? Did you follow them as well, or you know, did you move on and? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. And, and the entire audience did. Yeah. And this is the most remarkable thing about the Beatles. Okay. You just put your finger on it. This is the one thing that never gets talked about. All right. They invented, they created the concept of evolution. All right. There's no such thing. If you look before that, there's no such thing. Okay. If you had a hit, uh, you know, the best thing you could do was to have another hit as close to the hit you just, the hit you just had, you know. Yeah. And that was pretty much true in the entire industry, you know. Um, you know, yet somebody being innovative, uh, like uh, Frank Sinatra, I would say, would be an exception. He was innovative, you know. He had the first concept records and things like mm -hmm. that. But yeah. basically, um, the concept of evolving, you know, each record being some kind of noticeable, you know, more sophisticated evolution. That was completely invented by the Beatles, and, and 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 they don't get credit for that because everybody then followed that, you know, yeah. just naturally, you know. You see the same thing with the Who, you see the same thing with the Kings, you know, the Stones, and everybody else. You know, every record had to like, you know, rise to to their standards because they're the ones setting the standards. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And yeah. If you notice, the standards dropped precipitously the minute the Beatles broke up. Okay. <laughs> that, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> you know, I know it's true. I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, so, so they, you know, they were setting the standards and setting the, uh, the, 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 the possible, you know, what, what was possible, you know, right. You know, all of a sudden uh, they're using strings. Oh, we can use strings now. <laughs> no one uses strings. Oh, wait, wait a minute. They're using horns. We, oh, we can use horns. You know, uh, they got a fiddle on some song. Oh, we can use a fiddle on, you know, you know and, and then suddenly other people are doing these things. And, and uh, you know, uh, that was them. That, that was something that, that, that they, they did just naturally. 
organically again maybe they had add like i do you know <laughs> but, but but uh but they just but they just naturally seem to you know be bored enough to just evolve and uh and they just kept doing it pretty much to the end you know yeah. uh you know with a little a little dip into dip into nostalgia for for let it be maybe or something but yeah. but yeah but even even abbey road you know which was the real last album um you know, has had innovations on that, actually. You know? Definitely. Definitely. And the White Album, I mean, you know, the White Album was so, it, it, we always talked about it. It didn't really go up in progression, but it was so eclectic and different. You know, I'd never heard anything like Honey Pie by the Beatles, you know, or then by you anyway. get, you know, yeah. <laughs> Wild Honey Pie. <laughs> yeah. And that just, just blew well, your mind, some of the stuff on that, you know. Well, I, was, I was eight years old when that thing came out, or six years old, and I had it, and Lord knows, I, I had no idea what to think of that album. I loved it, but it scared the hell out of me in some ways, you know? No, it was yeah, a weird album. Yeah, that, that was, I mean, that was kind of leveling off. I mean, they, I, 67 was, was their peak, in my opinion. I mean, um, aside from Sgt. Pepper, the, the three yeah. singles of 67 were just yeah. ridiculous, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Strawberry Fields, All You Need Is Love, and, and The Walrus, right? You know. Yeah. And, Not and, bad. And, and not bad B-sides either, you know, right. uh, you know, uh, I mean, that, that, that's a career in itself. I mean, that, that's, but that's, I think that's the peak. That's probably the peak of inventiveness and, 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 you know, and evolution. And then, you know, kind of, you know, you know, settled, settled off a little bit for what came after that pretty much. Um, maybe with the exception of your, you know, it's all too much, which may oh. have been, that may have been the peak of it all, but, but you know, uh, that's fun to hear. They, they were doing that naturally. They just they just did it naturally, and, and everybody had to follow it, and, you know, and keep up. You know. Yeah, yeah. You talked about it's all too much. So, uh, I had read that your favorite was George in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I I related to him. I was you know, I was I you know I've always kind of related to the guy a little bit in the background, and you know I never really was a front man. I didn't have the front man inclination, you know. Uh, so yeah, he was my he was my favorite Beatle growing up, and 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 his Indian songs, his three Indian songs, I think, uh, are just remarkable and, and invented world music, and and uh, will be I think uh, maybe the songs that last last the most, uh, last the longest in some ways, yeah. um, but they're so incredible. Uh, I just uh, you know I think. Within you, without you, is the center, the center of of, of Sergeant Pepper, really, and, and really uh, um, was was really captured the, that the essence of the Zeitgeist of that summer of love, you know, was so much a part of Eastern philosophy at that point, and and uh, so it's really such an important part of the of the of the makeup of, of Sergeant Pepper, you know. Sure, Stephen did that, you know. I mean, obviously, the music affected all of us, and you know. But did you um, did you kind of you know as you were growing growing up go into and look into anything that the Beatles were looking into? Did you look into Eastern philosophy? Did you? Oh yeah, I, yeah. So you definitely, you know, oh, definitely. That's where I learned all about Hindu philosophy and Taoism was from George Harrison, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Book of the Dead, you know, uh, from uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's what tomorrow never knows or, yep. or she, she said she said or you know whatever uh you know one one thing after the other yeah whatever they were talking about 
they, you know, they were gods, you know, and uh, and that was my religion. So you know, whatever they said, you know, yeah, I was gonna do, you know, and uh, yeah, you know. And that takes us right back around, like you were saying, you know, from from Mecca to Mecca. So you have that great quote in there: "If the Beatles were the religion, you know." Like you said, they- Liverpool, my Mecca. It's <laughs> great. So I have to bring up the Sopranos for one question, uh, because it, it relates to music. Uh, most people, you know, know you're in the Sopranos, you know, Silvio Dante, you know, and it's an amazing character. But you got that audition because of your connection to rock and roll, right? Um, well, yeah, I was I was inducting the Rascals into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, yeah, and Chase happened to be watching. That's day. amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's a big cool Rascals story. fan, huh? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Pick we've, a had we've had some problems since then, but uh, <laughs> still, but you still can't bit. discount their greatness. <laughs> no, no greatness, and you know, and I was very proud of the Broadway show that I wrote, yeah, directed, yeah. and produced for them, and uh, I'm still yeah. very, very close with Eddie Brigatti. But it was beautiful. We'd love to have we'd love to have Eddie on the show. Talk about somebody fun and talk to man. Do you know how? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it was it was a it was a beautiful production, Stephen. It was really just absolutely true. Yeah, you know, I had the peak of my. I think I had the peak of my creativity. That it was that just something very very special. And again, even the Rascals. You know, talk about you know their name being on the on the board at Shea Stadium. Yes, they were they were in the dugout uh, yeah. watching the show. Yeah, and, uh, and the. Sid Bernstein promoted them at that show. Yeah, yeah. He was a manager at the time. So and, let's get back uh, to the cavern. The uh, you, you, uh, you, we said you, you had a set list. How did you pick the set list? I know you said you did some that were, you know, covers and, and that the Beatles did. Some, you know, did you, did you talk a long time about it or did you just say, you know what, band, all 15 of you, <laughs> we're going to do these? <laughs> Well, yeah, I thought about it for a minute. And, and you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of, of Beatles songs with horns. You know, it's, it's probably only, uh, I don't know, you know, not less, less than a dozen, certainly, you know. Um, so I, I looked at them all, you know, and I, I picked uh, the four I thought would, would, would be best. And then um, and then the covers were endless. You know, they, 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 there was quite a list. There, there's a list, actually. You know, you know, everything the Beatles have ever done is, is, is you know, the <laughs> Yep. It's available. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, can you believe this pictures of the of the of the day Paul McCartney met John Lennon at that at that backyard carnival thing? Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a picture of that. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about it. But but uh, anyway, so, so, you know, just I looked at the, the list and uh, the only thing I knew I was going to do with some other guy. You know, that's that's the only thing I knew we, do we had to do because that's the only that's the only Beatles film. Uh, that's a, a, an obscure song by Richie Barrett, uh, co-written by, with Lieber and Stoller, by the way. Yeah. And Richard Barrett was a fa- famous cat uh, uh, producer and piano player, and he had a couple of solo singles. Uh, we actually had him come in and play on the Juke's second album. We reunited the Coasters and Drifters and, and uh, Five Satins. And we had Richard Barrett come in. It was my, I, I wrote one my first doo-wop song. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, and and, and uh, called uh, first first night, 
And um, we had Richard Merritt play on it. Richard Merritt played the triplets on, on the Chantels. Uh, um, uh, maybe, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, 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 maybe uh, you know, the first, the first girl group hit um, was the Chantels, and he, and, he, and he produced it and played piano. We had him come in. But anyway, it, it was his song, his solo record. And, uh, and I, knew, I knew we were going to do that. You know? and, then, and then I wanted to do Arthur Alexander's you know, The Soldier of Love, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, Larry Williams' stuff is, is, is so great. Uh, and, and John Lennon, uh, you know, it's very hard to, and very rare that you actually can can out outdo the original record, you know. Oh yeah, that's, but that's a that's a close call on that one. I tell you, you know. And twist and shout too. Uh, to some extent, twist and shout was a big one for me though. The Isley Brothers, yeah. I, I I wore that record out, okay, <laughs> oh, cool. and, you know, which is not easy. No. That, that 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 early vinyl was like concrete, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wore it out, okay. That's how oh I'm yeah. Doing. So, so to me, I didn't like the Beatles version for a long, long time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just couldn't. It just didn't, it didn't right. add up to me. Um, but, but yeah. But, but looking back on it now, you, you know, you're not wrong. He's John does a great version of that. Vocals but, amazing but, on that. Slow down, man. He John changes a changes it a little bit. He actually improves it. You know. Hmm. That was that was what I wanted to do, and then. Uh, well, what else? Well, yeah. Boys, you know, boy, boys was, you know, I think we do one for Ringo. Um, Ringo's Ringo's greatest vocal. And it's Ringo's greatest vocal because he had been doing it with Rory Storm for, yeah. for yeah. five years before he did it with the Beatles. So he's really quite comfortable with that song. Yeah. We always said that, you know, when you listen to the Please Please Me album with boys on it, the the son it's sonically, it sounds so amazing. Even for back 1962, you know, yeah. wow. I mean, it's just it, the drums also. Uh, George Martin and the engineers knew what to do because Ringo's vocal on that and the drumming and the sound of the drumming is just amazing. It's, it's a killer, killer track. It's one of the most exciting early Beatles tracks, you know. And I, you know, and I'm always fighting with him because he, he, won't, do the, he won't do that drum part. <sighs> and in fact, I saw an early, early version of a, of a TV show uh, very early with Ringo doing Boys with the Beatles on a TV show, and he didn't do the he didn't do the drum part then either, mm. you know. Uh, and I, you know, and I, I had a fight with him, you know, a little bit, you know, <laughs> like you know, as much as I'm gonna fight with him, I'm like Ringo, if that is the one of the coolest drum parts ever done, it you know, it just is, you know. Right. Like, oh, of course, it's just so powerful, you know. Yeah, and you know, he, he doesn't do it. He won't. He won't do it. Well, he changed the arrangement on it. Uh, you do little Stevens Underground Garage Network, not the show. You do the show, too, but you do the network. Where do the Beatles fit in with that? Because what songs have you added that maybe other stations haven't added uh, concerning the Beatles as as a guy who runs the station? Well, I, I know my my song list now must be close to 6,000 songs. So, wow. wow. So, you know, most FM stations are like, 300 right, you know? yeah. <laughs> right. in rotation so, i mean i'm playing i'm playing um I, I would say you know everything except except the ballads probably you know um wow quite 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 a few i don't, I don't know how many i don't know how many beatles songs are on the 
around the list, but uh, uh, I can I can find out really quick. But 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 um, but you know, it's a lot. I mean, it, we you know, we don't we don't play very many slow songs at all in in the format. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, although um, uh, you got to hide your love away is in there though, which is uh, just it's just too great. Um, <laughs> Cool. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. I'm, you know, I think we probably play more Beatles songs than we than the ones we don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, uh, yeah. how how many are there? It's like two hundred songs all together, or two hundred? About that, yeah. Yeah. Two hundred six or whatever it is. I bet you. I bet you it's well over a hundred. You know. Wow, that's so, tremendous. So, you know, take your pick. I mean, I mean, yeah. you're lucky to hear the Beatles these days. Period. Any, that's any, true. Any, no, you're right. right. You know. Uh, you might hear what you might hear. Hey Jude or, uh, or what? I don't know. I mean, there's know? really classic rock stations or classic, not even classic hit stations anymore. And the rest of them, don't, you know, AC doesn't play any soft Beatles anymore. Um, right. maybe there's no such thing as an oldie station anymore. They've gone from, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties. So anything right. from the sixties is a mistake if it gets on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm no, no, we know what you mean. Yeah. But you're right. It, it is. It's amazing. You know, you could hear aha all day. But, and I was going to and I and I have to get my two cents in and said, and, and nobody's going to be playing the pretty things. But Steven, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we play quite a few groups that no one's ever played. No one plays. I, that's all. No. It's that's why it's again. No, no, no one's ever heard the MC5, you know, right. Yep. Or the, or the Stooges, or the New York Dolls, you know. No, Johnny Thunder, Ben. I think I heard like Midnight to Six Man or something like that on one on the station at one point, and yeah. my head exploded. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're playing, you know, you're playing something nobody's going to yeah. play. You know, and there's a couple, a couple of other bands that didn't invade from the invasion. You know, like yeah. Creation. People don't know Creation. Right. Right. Fantastic. You know. Right. Uh, right. Uh, the Move. You know. People, no, oh people yeah, the Move is great. Uh, people don't know the birds, you know, the B-I-R-D-S birds. Right. And, right. You know, Ronnie Wood's first band. Right. Terrific, terrific band. I mean, great singer, great. Ronnie Wood was a good guitar player in 1964. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. I mean, he goes way back when he's like 15. He was already good. Was he you know, that young great... when he was in that band? He was like 15, yeah, 15 16. 16. Yeah. Wow, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, wow. because you know, we, we didn't meet him until he played bass with Jeff Beck. Yeah, know? right. Uh, which would have been 67, you know? Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so, so, you know, there's a, there was quite a few, you know, great, you know, and a few others, you know, more obscure, you know, like, like the action. Yeah. And, you know, the, the eyes and people Fleur like that. Fleur de Lis. <laughs> yeah. Fleur de Lis, you know, yeah. terrific, terrific records. But, 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 you know, the, but the American bands, you know, you know, didn't get much airplay, you know, uh, even, even groups like Rhinoceros and Moby Grape, you know, Never got enough. Never got the airplay they deserve. You know. Yeah. So yeah. you mentioned uh, your friendship with Ringo and you had fights with him. Uh, are we ever going <laughs> to see you as an all star? <laughs> no, no, you're never going to see me as an all star. And I'll tell you why. I have no hits. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but you walk on stage and people know who you are and you're a damn fine guitar player. Yeah. I mean, yeah but no, but his, his thing is based on, you know, playing the guy's hits, you know. Right. Come on, come on Stephen. Uh, forever. You know, it's been a long time. You know. Well, no, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, good song. I'm not saying I didn't have any good songs. I got oh, okay. I well. like good songs, <laughs> but I, I have zero, zero hits, you know, which, uh, 
Yeah. It's my it's my mystique. You know, it's, it's hard to keep one's mystique. You know, that's true. <laughs> Anybody that's true. can have a hit. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, but, but try having no hits and lasting 40 years. That's, <laughs> that's tough. That's <laughs> brilliant. You know what? You uh, we also want to give you a chance to uh, talk about uh, some of the charity work you do, which is really cool. The Rock and Roll Foundation, uh, the mm. Teach Rock and uh, the Little Kids Rock. You know, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know it's important to you as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been focusing on uh, teachrock.org. Um, we, we finally went public with it on the Soul Fire tour. Uh, we've been working on it for like, I don't know, 15 years, uh, believe it or not. It's a music history curriculum. And um, we, we gave away 500 tickets every, every show for teachers for free. Um, and, and we did a little seminar uh, and uh, we registered. Uh, we're up to like 40,000, 45,000 teachers now. Wow. Um, and um, basically it's, it's three, three, three missions. One was to keep the arts in the DNA of the education system, which, we, which, which we're doing. And it's really, really, really changes the entire education process. It's, a, it's so much more successful. Uh, the second thing was to create a methodology that dealt with this new generation that's smarter than us and faster than us and has no patience, you know? Mm. And we, and we captured their attention by just asking them, who's your favorite artist? And they all have one. They're all into music, you know? And whoever it is, we, we say, okay, now we're going we're gonna to trace back where they come from. Yeah. And they stay interested, you know? Uh, if they say Beyonce, we say, okay, Beyonce comes from a woman named Marita Franklin, you know? And Aretha yeah. Franklin comes from Detroit. We talk about Detroit. And they're listening. And, and Aretha Franklin was a, a council of the gospel church. We talk about that. And, and they're listening, you know. Uh, she got involved with civil rights. And we talk about that. And they're listening. You know, as long as you uh, are, on, are on some common ground with these kids, you know, right. they'll, they'll stay tuned in, you know. But like I say, we've got we to gotta teach it in the, we got to teach these kids in the present tense. We can't say if you learn this, someday you'll use it which is what they did with us, right? <laughs> Learn yeah. this now, and someday you'll use it, you know? Uh, forget it, okay? you got to give them a reason not to look at their device in 20 seconds. Yeah, and, exactly. And have an answer, you know? So, so the, the three things, you know, keep the arts in, 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 the, in the, you know, all the arts classes got canceled, by the way, because of the No Child yeah. Left Behind legislation. That's, a, that's how we started. I should have yeah. started with that. That's how we, that's how we got, uh, uh, you know, into it. So there's no arts classes in public education anymore. So it's important to keep the arts in the DNA. Secondly, create a methodology. And third, once we have enough, you know, once we have, once we are in enough schools, I want to, we really want to affect the dropout rate, which is an absolute scandal. You know, it's it's close to 50% in the poor neighborhoods, and and, 50, and after they drop out, 50% of those kids end up in the criminal justice system. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just um, yeah. it ain't right. You know. So we're hoping, you know, uh, if a kid likes one class and one, one teacher, they'll come to school. So if we can hold them and keep them in high school, once they graduate high school, the, the statistics change uh, considerably. You know, now, now they got a, they got a fighting chance, you yeah. know. So yeah. that's, what, that's, what that, that's what that's all about. And now we're expanding now. You know, we were registering teachers. Now we're, now we're registering entire school systems. We, we – um, the last thing I did before the quarantine was visit a partner school, hmm. uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, where they're, they're all they're teaching our curriculum in every grade. And, and we're now um, 
the entire, I think, um, uh, state of Connecticut has just been accepted. Uh, the town of Milwaukee, we got a few schools in Jersey, a few in California. So now we're trying to uh, actually partner with entire school systems, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and that's, and it's expanding all the time. So wow. that's, that's very, very successful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy about that. No, that's, yeah. that's absolutely great. Yeah, we, um, we were, I just want to toss in that, uh, Stephen, I was, I was proud that we, uh, I'm, I was on the board of the Long Island Music Hall of Fame and we brought you in for the humanitarian. Uh, and uh, it was, that was a, a, you know, we were glad that you were able to, uh, to be there with us that night. It was, it was really well-deserved right. and, you know, so anyway. Uh, uh, Stephen, I got a question for you. Uh, a few years ago, you did a sort of a major concert at Randall's Island um, mm. which I'm, I'm still waiting for it to be a, a movie because I, I heard that it was going to be. Um, my mm. question for you is you had uh, Pete Best's band there, and I was wondering if that caused any problem with Ringo, and what did you think of the band? I, I, I love his band. I, you know, Pete, Pete Best's band is, is, is literally like you in a time, you're in a, you know, a time capsule, you know, yeah. you know, time scene, and you get dropped back in 64. I mean, they have those the tones of the guitars are 64. I mean, uh, they're just terrific. Um, no, no. One of my, one of my fantasies is actually to get Ringo and Pete best together. You know, they've never met, you know, uh, and they've never, they've never spoken. And unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, I, and one of my, one of my, you know, one of my hopes is someday to try and get them together. I don't know how. Well, you got but the rascals back together. I mean, yeah. oh, no. I was just about to say. Believe me, the, the, the Middle East would be a snap. Hell <laughs> <laughs> already froze over, thought out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the best family, are, 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 you know, they opened a Casbah, you know, the, the yeah. very important Casbah where yeah. the last stop that the three Beatles, you know, the three Beatles, as you guys know, uh, had no drummer. And and um and and the only way they were gonna get to go to Germany was if they had a drummer and everybody turned them down and the last stop was the Casbah uh because um uh the mother uh whose name this escaped me Mona um, Mona Mona uh had them paint it. You know, they 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 painted the Casbah cheap labor. <laughs> and you go to Casbah now and they show you where they where they painted they still right. have well, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and luckily, you know, people said yes, or, or they, or, or you know, history would have been really different. Who knows what would happen? Yeah, really. But they they reopened the Casbah, and now they're uh, they're they're turning it into some kind of bed and breakfast or something. They're just yeah, turning, they're yeah. expanding yeah. the house into a into a hotel, I think. So yeah, just just saw that on Facebook that they're working on. Well, that. When you get uh, Ringo and Pete together, you got to get Jimmy Nickel too. You know, just to, <laughs> you know, just to come on and do a guest spot for a song, you know? <laughs> and then throw him away like the Beatles did. <laughs> Jim, there just for just for a couple of hours and send him off. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> give him a watch and then send him on his way. <laughs> Steve, it's hard to believe, isn't it? We really we think back on that, you know, like yeah, replacing a Beatle. Yeah, like how about postponing the shows, right? Like, <laughs> well, well, George wanted to, and they, they said no. But you know that was all about the money. Yeah, but they, uh, you know, it just shows you how 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 they were they were nervous about you know were they really going to make it or not? You know, sure. Yeah, true. Yeah, you got to make make the bread while you can. That's why they gave them two dollars to make Hard Day's Night because they figured they're gonna. They'll be they'll be lucky if they if they're still together by the time the movie comes out. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. speaking of the movie, I hate to tell you this, but uh, 
we filmed it in 3D, which is going to, you know, 3D hadn't happened for like 20 years at that point. I was going to bring back 3D. And nobody had ever seen a concert in 3D. Right. right. Filmed the whole thing in 3D, and all that footage uh, is missing. Ah. Oh. Oh. Oh, wow. So you filmed the whole Cavern show in 3D? No, 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 no. Randall's Island. Oh, Randall's Island. Oh, you went back yeah. to that. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That was no, uh, I, I was at that show. I uh, that's the first time I ever saw Ricky pop. And I, I was a little scared. Yeah, be honest with it. <laughs> <laughs> Did how, how great would it have been? He, he runs and jumps up on the 3D camera. The camera. He looks better than I do. And I'm much younger than him. Believe me. That was but what an amazing that was an amazing day though. I mean what yeah, was Libertines? I'm trying to think of who else was there. What a oh, no, we had, we had, I don't know I don't know how many 50, 50 bands or something. Yeah, um, just what a hell of a know, music. I had a I had I had a really great plan, you know, I had a special circular uh, stage built. Yeah. You know, because uh, I was gonna do it like the old Alan Freed the uh, Murray Decay shows mm-hmm. where you know, three three songs each, you know. And, um, you know, and so the, the, the next band would be already set up yeah. on the turntable and it broke like three bands in. Gotta love technology. <laughs> we were scrambling the rest of the day. And it was a hurricane that day. That yep. Yeah, it rained. Up and yep. took it did, it right, right for us, right for us. It was amazing. The 3D cameras worked, but the motorized stage broke down. <laughs> what the hell? I couldn't believe it. Oh, I man. Believe. So I want to tell people uh, where you can get uh, Mac at a Mecca because it's a CD and DVD. And by the yeah. way, if people don't know the DVD or the, the video, you have to see the video. And the one thing that Tony and I, uh, we were talking off mic, we noticed right away that that still comes across on the CD, but when you watch the DVD, the pure joy on your face. Yes. The joy. Oh, yeah. I mean, my God. Nothing but fun. I mean, it was just like nothing but fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it made no, you know, it made no sense. You know, it was not, nothing to do with the so-called career or nothing to do with, you know, with the Summer of Sorcery show or, or you know, it yeah. was just a freaky thing to do because I just was a fan, you know? And, uh, and the band rose to the occasion. I mean, they learned those, you know, those songs in four days. And, uh, you know, and, and we're, we're making it part of the package. It's also going to be part of the Soul Fire Live package. Right. Uh, right. Um, you know, but for those who already have the Soul Fire Live package, this is, uh, it, it's also separate. Right. You know, oh, that's great. Right. And it's on your label, Wicked, Wicked Cool Records and Yumi, uh, just so cool people know. Records. Yep, uh, but it's Mecca to Mecca, and uh, it's it's really a, a really fun record uh, and uh, recording of, I guess, a really special time for you and the band. Yeah, and I, and I have to say, and I, you know, I find it's hard to believe myself, but on the Soulfire live album, on Mecca to Mecca, and on the Summer of Sorcery coming in June, not one single note has been re-recorded. You know, oh, no sweetening, right? huh? That's nice. Not one single note. Thank the band you. is unbelievable. I mean, it's you know, it, it, it's, a, it's one of the best bands in, in history. I mean, they just don't make mistakes. They don't make mistakes. That's tremendous. You also have a, a book coming out, right? Yeah, end of end of uh, September. Uh, you know, we could talk more about that. You know, closer. Yeah, closer we'll have you on again. We'll talk about the book. Yeah, you know, it's still right, a ways well, off. Right. Uh, okay. What what Beatles record do you go to when not not your favorite, but which one to like inspire you? 
you know, you, you're going to start writing again or you need a, you need an inspiration. What Beatles record do you go to? Well, why don't we do it in the road? Of course. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anyone because um, there's something on every one. You know, I'm a little bit more partial to the earlier stuff. Oh, uh, thank you. Sorry. You know, <laughs> I mean, my, my favorite album is, is Help. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite. Seven, but that my favorite seven Beatles songs in a row on oh, any yeah. album are on Help. You talk about the British version, right? Or uh, the yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the British version. Yes, yeah, side one is one. No, of the he loves Ken Thorne. Thorne. It's all Ken Thorne. Yeah. We now <laughs> we count the we count the the British versions as the real thing uh, with the Beatles, but we count the American versions with the Stones. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Two, two of the best Stones albums don't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's my, true. My, my two favorite Stones albums, which is 12 by 5 and, and, uh, and, and December's Children, uh, are strictly American albums. Yeah, and they're brilliant. So, so we, we count the Stones, you know, the American Stones, but, but the, British, the British Beatles are the ones, the official ones now. You know, but, uh, Except maybe Rubber Soul, because that's a totally different album when totally you start with I've Just Seen a Face versus Drive My Car. Yeah, and 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 I and I I have to say, as much as I you know uh, despise most of the time of, of people changing things, uh, and it was really weird that the, the albums were different uh, until Sgt. Pepper, which is yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I got to say uh, that was not a bad move. That was not <laughs> a bad move no. because of the you know the folk rock thing at that time. You know, I thought the Beatles are right there, man. Once again, we <laughs> with, with folk rock, and it turned out that the you know the Capitol guy had, had stuck it on there. So that yeah, that was a very rare time of a, of, a, of a record company doing something strictly for mercenary reasons and turning out to be artistically not a bad idea. I got to say, you know, but uh, but I know I love uh, Help and I, and I love the Beatles for Sale, you know, which is. One of my favorites because you know it's, 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 what I, it's what I call it's their, their Everly Brothers album. Yeah, yeah. It's, almost every song on it is, is you know got two part harmony and uh, you know, but I you know uh, you can't go wrong honestly. Uh, you know I don't I don't I don't play the uh, I don't play the last few uh, hardly ever. You know I just I just I just don't for some reason. You yeah. know they're good, they're great, great stuff. Abbey Road, but the early stuff, the energy, even the White Album. You know, um, you know. It's not for me. Not but for like me. the energy of a hard day's night and even with the Beatles, I mean, it starts off. I mean, my God, it won't be long. You know, and just and, you, it's like full blast. You know, even the American yeah. Beatles second album just kicks you in the face. Yeah. And yeah. Beatles for sale, that one, two, three punch at the beginning. What is it? No, repo- no reply. Babies in black. I'm a loser. Or, uh, well, yeah. Those three. And then wow. but then even if you wow. keep going with I'll follow the sun and rock and roll music, the five, it's just yeah, that you know. they're, they're all great songs. So. Terrific, terrific stuff. Really, you can't go wrong, honestly. Uh, All right. Well, we want to we want to just uh, thank you so much for being here. It's been a blast. Yeah. We want to tell people to go out and buy Mecca to Mecca. It's a really good recording, a really good release. So please go out and buy it. You will not be disappointed. Uh, and also, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again and talk about the book. Um, yeah. Also, go to teachrock.org, right? Uh, yes. To learn more about the foundation. Which, and by uh, the way, it's free. It's free for teachers. It's free. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah. I know a lot of teachers, so and, so and I, just, I think Tony does too. Reach so out, reach out right through the website, teachers. Just reach out right through the site to you, or is there a yeah teachrock.org? They go to the site and and they can sign up, brilliant, and get, and get it for free. Uh, over two hundred and fifty lessons. 
Wow. Cool. Brilliant. Sounds yeah. great. All right. Well, we want to thank you again. And uh, for the Fab Four Free For All, I have been your moderator, Mitch Axelrod. Joining me tonight have been my Rob Leonard and Tony Chiguardo. And we will see you again real soon. Thank Thanks you, for joining Steven. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you, guys. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.